talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and all of your podcast platforms. What's good? I am Joe O'Donnell, joined as always by John Francis Lawrence Mita. Johnny Mita. Beach. Uh, yeah, you know, doing a little little work and play down here in good old Avalon, Pennsylvania, or I was going to say Pennsylvania, not even close to Pennsylvania, Avalon, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, there's it's a good thing because there is so much going on and so much to get to today. But the bigger question is this, how are you liking your new gig? Let's start there. I mean, for those that you don't that don't know, Joe got the call, a game-winning goal with seven seconds to go in the third period. So that had to be exhilarating, my friend. How was that? Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a good way to round out opening night. Uh, it is a little weird not doing all the games, so I'll say that, you know. Yeah. A couple of years, I, I came up and I knew when I was going back, right, a couple games or whatever. This, now that I'm up in Minnesota full-time, it's still a little weird not to do, like you do the two-road game stuff. And then I come home or go back to Minnesota and there's three home games and I'm not doing any of them. So that part's weird. You know what I mean? Kind of got yeah. into a little bit of a groove. Team's playing well to start the season. You want to do all the games or you want to keep rolling. And then I just watch, you know. So yeah. that's a little weird, but yeah. I can get used to it. Yeah. You can spend me a little extra. F- yeah. A little extra. Family time in a year that's going to be difficult with me being up there and sure the, in the mind. So, John Mead, before we dive into it, I have a stat of the day for you. All right, give it to me. Actually, you know what? You know what? You know what? I'm not even going to go there yet. So let's give the people what they can expect. All right, we're okay. talking a little Zach Ertz trade. We're talking a little birds. Yep. I don't think we're going to talk playoff baseball because the Braves are probably going to win the World Series and I'm going to hate myself. We'll probably watch hockey because the fly guys are scoring goals like crazy. And sure. we're definitely going to have to address the soft elephant in the room. Um, we're going to break our silence on number 25 for the team that bounces the basketball on the court. Then talk about what a train wreck and an utter disaster. That situation is. I'm not going to name him yet because I want to wait as long as possible before I have to say this guy's name. Should, should we just n- never name him and just call him number 25 for the entire season? Yeah, let's do that. So. Let's do that. All right. I like it. I like that. Good call. Yeah. All right. So this is this episode 201. It will be titled number 25 who bounces a ball or something like that. <laughs> so that's what you can expect on the Brotherly Love podcast. Appreciate all the love and support. Um, I got a couple things for you. All right. First off, before I get into the stat of the day, an early stat of the day for the peeps, let me just say this. At the top of the fantasy football Stone Harbor Poo Nugs League, none other 
and yours truly, and my very talented counterpart, John Mita. <laughs> John Mita. But this is the best start you've ever had in the Nugs League. <laughs> I, as a champion from previous years, am right where I need to be. But I just want to say, because I know there's a couple other GMs from the Nugs League that will be listening. You know, yeah. shout out to all the GMs that tune in. Team No Go. <laughs> Uh, team lump you up might give a listen. Whatever Chris Wenick's team is, I know he tunes in sometimes. So yeah, Tim, Michael team, Michaels, Team Hampshire, never to be an avid listener at all. So I'm sure he won't hear <laughs> this either because he uh, doesn't listen. So so <laughs> the two five and one teams, Fred Al, yeah. top of the leaderboard. Right. You're you're listening to them, and and I will say this, John Meter, you did beat me. My only loss came to you. Now, I do have the tiebreaker for most points, so suck it. But as it stands now, I'm locked and loaded, looking for a deep playoff run, and add another chip to my resume. Anything you'd like to add? Because this is clearly the best you've ever had as far as the start goes in the Puna. Well, out of all my four fantasy teams, this is my best record. The other other leagues, I'm, uh, you know, um, not really doing too great because my running backs are suffering. Um, thank you, Nick Sirianni, not playing Miles Sanders at all. Um, uh, so, how about the, the team re- you share with D Bird? How's that one going? Oh, uh, we're all- the guillotine. We've got we got guillotine bounce weeks ago. So yeah, it's broke. So buy all that. That's only thirty dollars. Yeah, the other two ones that I have are like hundred dollars, hundred and fifty dollars. So yeah. So, what are you going to do? I think the biggest thing, I mean, I drafted King Henry. I should have drafted King Henry in every league. The guy is an absolute machine. For those of yep. you who don't know, Derrick Henry is just, you th- You feel like running backs will be able to wear down. This guy is an absolute machine. He seems like he's not even human because he yeah. just keeps rocking. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yep. Good point. Good point. Um, all right. To my stat of the day, and this one comes via Twitter. And it was sent in a direct message by none other than Tom Winnick. So he is team lump you up. His team okay. stinks in the. Okay. But speaking he was kind of Tom. To... Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, what? Did you see who he started at quarterback last week against me? And how come he doesn't have a real quarterback? Who was the quarterback he started? Taylor Linick, uh, the, the Washington football team's quarterback. And he has no other starting quarterback on his roster. Yeah, well, that's dude. another story for another time. We're going to have to chirp him on the side. I mean, how does he not have a starting quarterback? I mean, he'd rather was... have a 12 ounce glass of Heineken than that uh, guy. You okay. Know? Yeah. Here we go. All right. Go this ahead. comes Can from Zach see? Hopkins on Twitter. And Zach Hopkins has about as many followers as the Brother Love podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm going on He's... face value that this is accurate. Okay. So he's in great company, that's what you're saying. <laughs> he says, and this is a hockey related tweet, stat of the day, stat of the day, people. Nolan Patrick. Okay. Phil Myers. Jake Voracek. And the Ghost, as well as Robert Hag. All right. So that's five flyers jettisoned in the offseason by in Chuck We Trust, Fletch Dog, Chuck Fletcher. Yeah. Okay. The five jettison flyers, Patrick, Myers, Voracek, Ghost, and Hag. So far this season, 14 games, have zero seven points. assists. Huh? No goals, seven assists. Okay? So five guys, seven assists. 
Ryan Ellis, Keith Yandel, Rasmus Ristolainen, Cam Atkinson, Derek Broussard, and Nate Thompson. The added six players. Well, did, would Flyers... you see that when Nate Thompson was on the team last year? All right, now was he? Uh, but he's back. Ah, he, okay. I think he left last year. He was okay. there two years ago in the bubble. Okay, gotcha. Sixteen games for those six players. Five goals, thirteen assists. So basically, same number again. Two more games played, one extra player, but five right. goals and thirteen assists compared to no goals, seven assists. Yeah, I mean it's changed. I know it's pretty- early. Oh, it's early, but you listen. You can just tell there's a different chemistry with the team. Do you know what I mean? Like they yeah. went after Claude Giroux the other night. Everyone on the team went eight crazy, and went yeah. to go get the captains back. Where that's happened before, and you might see one guy chiming, not the yeah. entire squad. Well, so. a lot of people refer back to I guess last year Lindblom had a fight at some point against Pittsburgh. Okay, and people on Twitter, fans largely were in disbelief that that could ever happen. Right. You know, where, like, where was everybody else coming to Oscar Lindblom's defense or stepping in so that Lindblom didn't have to do the dirty work, you know? So, and we've already seen Nate Thompson dummy a guy on the Kraken who I'd never heard of before. And Nick Sealer went complete banana lands trying to get it. The, the pterodactyl that is six foot six, Jamie Alexiak. So yeah, you're seeing some spunk from the fly guys. Now, the opening night, giving up a lot of goals, whatever. They rally, get a point. But the last two games, not only are they scoring, but they're doing a better job, I think, defending as well. So, good to see the fly guys. Three games in, no regulation losses. I mean, look, you can't win the Stanley Cup in October, but you can certainly put yourself in a spot where it's harder to win and make the playoffs. It's a tough division. Um, it's a tough conference overall. And so, to get your points now, bank them. Because, you know, at some point, you know, you're going to hit the ups and downs, long season injuries, COVID, all that stuff. And Kevin Hayes isn't even playing. Let's keep that in mind as well. So, uh, when he gets back, obviously adds a great presence in the room, but, you know, some some scoring as well. Um, All right. So, little Flyers talk there. Good to knock that out. Let's go to the birds. Let's save number 25, bouncing a basketball for last. The birds have been atrocious offensively for a number of weeks now they've been inconsistent a couple of their losses have looked better certainly than the actual product on the field if you watch the game uh john mita where do you want to take this thing you want to start with the bucks you want to start with your frustration you want to start with the head coach who looks lost where are you going um i'm just just extremely disappointed joe now that we kind of have somewhat of a sample size of this yep. new head coach and his staff and as much optimism that I brought into the offseason with me, I am on huge 100% pessimism alert that these people are going to get it together. We're going to see improvement. Um, I, I'm just not liking what I'm seeing um, from from the players and and just just the overall, just the, the scheme uh, offensively. Again, the refusal to run the football – has dri- has driven me nuts as long as I've been a fan of professional football. We had it with Andy Reid. He wasn't really a big run guy, um, had talented running backs, didn't really run the ball a lot. Um, even with Doug. And ha- um, but 
when your discrepancy is like a 70 to 30 pass, you, essentially they're setting their quarterback up to fail. So they're putting so much weight on his shoulders. And I don't want to hear the excuse from Nick Sirianni. Well, these RPOs are, uh, you know, it's just an extension of our running game and the screen pass. No, no, it's not. Okay. I want you to hand the ball off. And for God's sakes, just give your give your young quarterback, just give him a little bit of uh, you know some relief, some so that he just doesn't have the entire weight on his shoulders. Offensively, there's no creativity. I was watching Red Zone Channel. It was just such a delight on Sunday that I got to watch other football teams and watch their offenses at work. Just inside the red zone, looked at Pittsburgh on Sunday night. They were running you know, motion and misdirection, and we we have none of that. I mean, the Atlanta game looked so good because they didn't put any of their playbook on tape. Now the question is, is it the limitations of the quarterback? Is he not – he seems like an intelligent guy. He seems like a hard worker. Are they just not letting this guy rip through the playbook? Are they, is, or is it just flat-out bad coaching? Defensively, Jonathan Gannon. Ah, oh, this vanilla defense with let's not send pressure. Let's just sit back. Let's not give up the big play. Listen, we all knew that this was probably going to be kind of a rebuilding year, kind of a year of let, let's assess the football team. Let's see what we need to add in the offseason. How are we going to get more competitive? How are we going to get better? I Listen, I, I will give the coaching staff a little bit of a break because none of them have um, – any type of really coaching experience in big time jobs. And when I say that, you know, guys that were position coaches that became essentially offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, um, and, and the head coach himself, you know, calling plays as the head coach has often never been a really good disaster. Uh, I, I mean, it's never been like a really good recipe. Only certain coaches have the ability to get that done. Um, so that that's that's also worrisome. And I just, again, we're not going to know how good the quarterback is. And the frightening thing is there are certain throws that he misses on, his accuracy. Um, another big, I would say, you know, a big gripe that people have is the fact that once he does snap the ball, he does get out of the pocket so early. He makes one read, and then he's rolling right all the time. Um, so he's going to have to learn how to step up, how to slide. And, 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 and there's also young receivers. These aren't, I mean, it might've been nice to have one veteran receiver in the room to help, to help the younger receivers. Yeah, we got one. You know what his name is? His name Jaylen- is Devontae Smith. Cause Devontae yeah. Smith to me is a veteran receiver. He really is. The yeah. kid's good. He says all the right things. You could tell he puts in the work and this kid cares. So home run on the first round pick this past year. I know we haven't seen the full yeah. potential. We haven't seen the finished product, but that guy is going to be a player. Yeah. Now and- let's just stay with the receivers for a second. I'm going to give you a couple names. I want your instant reaction, John Mina. Sure. Because I saw him on the field a couple times the other day. His name's JJ Arthega Whiteside. Okay. All right, let's move along. Your thoughts uh-huh. on a guy who wears number 18. His name's Jalen Reger. Yeah. Two failures, two massive draft pick failures as of I this mean, point. Massive. Has, Rager, has Rager done uh, – I'm being serious here. Has Jalen Rager done anything since he stepped out of bounds and that touchdown didn't count against San Francisco in week two? No. I mean, where has he improved? You know, it's like we talked – I mean, we're about to talk about number 25. 
um, in minutes ahead. But where has been the improvement? Has his route running improved? I don't see it. Um, has his speed, he's never open. He's he's never the only thing the guy can do is is run a neck is is run a fly pattern. That's it. Just run straight down the field. We're hoping we'll get you in on a pass interference. That's it. And guess what? No double contri- moves. He doesn't contribute on special teams. No. He no. fair catches the ball. A couple fair catches here and there in the return. Uncle. Day. Yeah, I mean, and they, they actually showed his stats in college as opposed to Justin Jefferson. And it's like, I know stats don't tell the entire story of a person's ability and a, a person, how they're going to translate to the next level. But come on. You look at like 500 yards and four touchdowns in the Big 12 where they play absolutely no defense as opposed to the SEC. I don't, I don't know. You might have had like 60, 70 catches. And then you look at the SEC where somebody had like 111 receptions, 1,500 yards, 19 touchdowns, and a national championship to boot. Like, I mean, any blind man, if you remember, they used to do that, like in the NBA, I think ESPN used to do it to like player A, player B, and they put up stats yep. and they're yep. like, who would you take? Yep. I, I think it'd be pretty obvious who everyone will take. And it's just, this is what has led this football team to be in such bad spots. The fact they're drafting over the last five years has just literally cost them. I mean, you're talking about a first round pick in Rieger. And a second-round pick in Ortega Whiteside. And a second-round pick in Miles Sanders who you're not even using. You don't exactly. use them. You don't yeah. use them. You know, and I, I brought that up, too, as well. Like, at this point, because you're not going to use him, either the coaching staff doesn't like him, they don't think he's the back of the future. At this point, he's a decent asset because I know 20 teams that would probably call your oh, door, and yeah. you might be able to get a second-round pick for him, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a third-rounder. No question a third-round. Also, because he's young, um, he doesn't really have to wear and tear his other running backs because he's literally only touched the ball like 20 times. He's only had 20 carries twice his entire career. Uh, wow. It's just it, it's just depressing, man. It's just depressing. I, I just – I don't – when are we going to get the clue that it's time to run the football? Like, at some point, we need to do that. Let's talk about – a few other things with the birds that's concerning to me. And that's the similarities from last year when things mm-hmm. weren't going well for number 11 and this year and how similar at times Wentz and Hertz look back there running for their lives, inaccurate throws. Nobody appears open, not running the ball. We changed all the coaches. We changed some of the personnel. We changed the starting quarterback, and everything looks the same, John Mita, which is telling me, conspiracy theory guy, like where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't think this coaching staff is in charge of anything. I believe it's coming from up top. I believe in some weird, twisted way that, that Howie and Jeffrey are pulling all the strings. I don't want to say they're calling the plays, but they might be designing the plays for all we know. And it's crazy to me, but when you have all this turnover and everything pretty much looks the same as far as ineptitude, the lack of creativity, the inconsistency, the penalties, the frustration from a fan base, and not, like literally nothing has changed. The names have changed, but the product's the same. 
to me, something else is going on. And I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of it. And I could be wrong. Maybe I'm insane. But when I'm watching what looks to be the exact same garbage as we saw for a lot of last year, but there's different pieces in place still churning out this garbage, the people up top haven't changed. And that, to me, is a big red flag for something is going on here. Any thoughts on that at all? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's 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 mind blowing. It, it to me, it's. I mean, do you, did I did that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? No, I mean, listen. Everyone has talked about this. Has been discussed. You know, right. Obviously, you're in Des Moines, Iowa, but people bring this up all the time. Yeah. How much? You know, who gets to play? Are they just going to play a first round pick that's an absolute bust because they're a first round pick and they don't want the general manager to look bad? You know, does our is, is Ortega Whiteside still on this football team? Do the fact that in all from what everyone is stating is that Jeffrey Lurie was the guy that made that pick. I mean, that's just bad. Okay. We don't need non football team running the football team. Okay. They need to become spectators. Okay. Jeffrey and Lurie doesn't need to play fantasy football and give so much input. Listen, am I saying it? He owns a team, so he can do whatever the hell he wants. But when it comes down to, okay, these are the choices of the guys that we're going to draft, and they all get in the room. Um, and they, you know, maybe he interviews the player. He kind of gets a feel for what he's like, what, you know, what his goals are. And I, I get that. But final decision-making, that's horrendous. Look at the fight on draft night. Who was it? Tom Donahue and Howie. Yep. There was a pick made and what, the third rounder? Yeah, it was like on the that. defensive line. They took Milton, Milton Williams. Milton Williams. I don't know who if there was a corner or somebody else they liked. But oh, it's another D lineman. Another D lineman. Um, so, I, again, I don't know what that was about, but I, I would trust Tom Donahue over I trust Howie Rosen's opinion. Because, again, I've said this a million times, the only person left from the 2017 draft class is Derek Barnett. And and all and, and you could say that he's been a bust, okay? And I will say he is a bust. So that's only a foot that you're talking four years removed. You know, hopefully you're getting guys, you're looking forward to re-signing them. They're going on their next deal with the team so they can spend the next four to five years in their career and basically coming into their prime, and not one person is left except for that bum. So this is where the problem starts. Now, you know, some of the draft classes, some of the picks they made this year, there is certainly some great promise. So are we trending in the right direction? But I agree with you. The play calling, like, why do we – listen, you throw the ball and you give the quarterback 80% of the offensive production and, and what it's like, when you have a veteran quarterback, you don't put that much on a rookie's shoulders. No one's ever done that. Yeah, and, he's, like, he's like 11 games into his starting career. And, that, and, and that's it. I think it. people forget that. And here's going to be the hardest thing, Joe. Unless they give this guy an entire year, I, I think it is going to be extremely difficult, almost to a position of impossibility, for us to figure out if Jalen Hurts can be the franchise quarterback because – and part of me is saying, well, what if he had a better offensive coach? What if they had better scheme? What if they had better strategy? Like, we don't right. know. Yeah. Or, or is it just because he just doesn't – he's just limited. He's limited with his accuracy, and he's limited because he just doesn't have that NFL arm and that NFL arm strength. And we're never – it's going to be hard to know. And, again, like I said, 
There is not one quarterback in NCAA football right now where I'm knocking down the door and I'm like, go get that guy. Take your three first-rounders and go get this guy. I think this is totally the year because it looks like we're not going to be dropping back to the Super Bowl in the next three years. This is totally the year to draft defense, 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 and, and, and get some playmakers on that side of the football because we have absolutely zero. And when it came to scheming with Jonathan Gannon, like Darius Slay is a cover corner, okay? He's a press man cover corner, okay? So let him do that. Stop with all this zone defense with him. I can't take it. It's driving me crazy. I hear you, bro. And honestly, if we look at this year's draft, I mean, I know it's a long way to go in this kid's career, but there's a lot to be – there's a lot out there still for Landon Dickerson. And I know Lane Johnson's coming back this week, and we'll see how they shuffle the line. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you took a, a second-round pick on a, on a center that you've moved to guard who's been injured. You know, we've talked about this. Kelsey's going to retire at some point. Mm-hmm. They need to take an offensive lineman next year in the first round. I know you hate that, but it's got to happen. They need they need to get younger on the line. But I'm with you 100%. You know, if you end up with three first-round picks, and thank God the Dolphins have turned out to be a grease fire, you know, that could that could be a top eight pick. You know, the Eagles pick could be, a, you know, for sure a top ten pick at this rate. You could have, you could have two – picks in the top 10 maybe the top eight you could have three in the top 15 and I know the Colts schedule gets a little easier but if anything that's going to help because Wentz is going to keep playing and you know if you have three in the top 15 next year I wouldn't move a spot at all and I would just stay right where you're at and take the best players on the board offensive line and two defensive players and you hope you've gotten way better this team's in cap hell they need to get younger. They've got guys that have been banged up and injured that are older players. They need playmakers, as you said, and they need young leaders on this team in the most desperate way. The coach, the jury's out. I think he's lost. The more he talks, the more I can't stand him. You know, the more the more he seems over his head. He yeah. seems like a high school coach. Like rah rah, like we're gonna we're gonna make t shirts for this week's game. Like what is this, a pep rally or an NFL game? You know? Last week, he's out there wearing a Sixers hoodie or something, like honoring Dr. J before the game. How about if you call play instead of walking around trying to get your photo taken with a Sixers hoodie? Like, looks like if you and I went down to the sidelines, that's the kind of stuff we'd be doing to get attention. I want this guy focused on making the football team better, and they haven't gotten better. They've had a little bit, you know, the half a bye week, right? You play Thursday night, you get those extra few days. If they don't come out ready to go in Vegas with a different approach, and a real commitment to changing what they've been doing the last month, then this guy is either not in control or needs his head examined. Yeah. I mean, the, the slow starts every game is a slow start, slow start, slow start. I mean, we, we, and we don't get positive plays until like the third and fourth quarter. And at that right. point, and that's usually when he starts running the ball, figure it out. Exactly. Right. As much as they think the Tampa game was close, it was not close at all. And when no. he didn't go for it on fourth and ten, I don't care anybody. Oh, I could see them taking a field goal there. You were down two touchdowns. At some point, you might not get back down there again. They happen to do it, but still, that's when I said to everyone, "It's time to leave. I can't take it anymore." Yep. Uh, Johnny Mita, prediction for Sunday before we move on. Oh, God. I mean, how can I, I – I think they lose a close game. I'm going to say 28-23. 
Okay. Raiders. I, I, I hope for the love of God that I'm wrong, but at this point, there's really nothing that's that's turning. But who knows? Prove me well, wrong, like, Nick they and got gang. The, Prove they me got wrong. The, they got the Raiders and the Lions the next two weeks, so they're they're more winnable than their last two games. Correct. So we'll see. Um, all right, to the team that bounces the basketball on the court, they won their opener. Where do you want to start with this? Yeah. Fire. Well, I mean, I'm just excited, right? Brand new season. Uh, the one team that looks like they can be very competitive. Um, they're definitely going to be a playoff basketball team. And I, I just – I like what I saw out of the young guys in preseason. I like what I saw. When Speaking of draft classes, okay, this, this is someone that got it right. When you draft Tyrese Maxey, Paul Reed, and Isaiah Joe, that might be the best Sixers draft class in the last 35, 40 years. And Is you that an say, indictment on the other draft classes? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's like, oh, my God, we finally made some good drafts and picks in the second round. And it's also because, like, yeah, when we got Embiid, when we got – we're like, yeah, they were kind of – AI, whatever. Yeah, right. But, kinda, it, kinda but they were one and done. Yeah, right. right, but you get one player out of that class. You right. know, this class, it looks like three players to your basketball team. So I love that. Um, speaking of number 25, I mean, this guy won it out. He won it out. He, he blew it. He was scared to dunk the basketball. He was scared to take a shot in four games of the fourth quarter of his seven-game series. He won it out. And, um, and, and then he acted like a baby his entire time. And the only reason why he came back to town is because a lot of things, the way this world is turning, it's all about the money, 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 money. And then that's why he came back. His teammates wanted to come out there and speak to him and, and try to get him back on board to see if he'd make another run at this. He wanted no part of it. He comes to practice. He's got a cell phone. He's in sweatpants. The guy doesn't care. The only person that guy, number 25, cares about is number 25. I'm sure he'll be talking in third person like Carl Malone did any day now if he ever speaks again. We He was supposed to have a press conference. I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to talk. He'll find a way to get out of it. Then he gets suspended for contract. Honestly, Joe, I think it's going to be addition by subtraction here. I know people talk about all the attributes and, and how great he is. Oh, he's such a great defensive player. He can do this. He can do that. But when you have poison in your locker room, and I think he is absolute poison, you are better off. And I love – I heard a great interview with Daryl Morey on Mike Missanelli's show. It was fantastic. He said, people, dig in on this one. He said, I'm not kidding you when I say this. We could hold on to this guy for four years if that's what he wants to be. There's two options here. Either A, he comes back and tries to help win a championship with his basketball team, or B, he does it. But what I will tell you is we are not going to take pennies on the dollar – we're not going to make a bad deal just to get rid of him and just to give him what he wants. And I love that attitude. Let him sit. I don't care if we have to pay him. When it comes to the trade deadline, I do believe that this team is another piece away from really having a legitimate shot to stamp it and win the whole thing. I do think they can possibly get to the Eastern Conference Finals without maybe with maybe a couple minor pieces. But – all in all, I'm so sick of this guy. I've been sick of number 25 for years. People have heard me. I've gone on other radio shows in Philadelphia talking. I would have traded this guy 
two years, three years in his career because I just saw the writing on the wall. And let me just read you something, Joe. I want to read you something that is the biggest incredible indictment of this guy, number 25, right? Here comes his scouting report. Listen to the synopsis. This, this is, is from just... right before he was drafted, right? This yep. From his draft class? Exactly. Simmons, uh, all right, number 25 <laughs> lacks a competitiveness in crucial games. He raised questions about his character. Those who know him best say he needs things to revolve around him on and off the court, and he's often been close-minded to coaching or instruction. I mean, if that doesn't give you a better... That was Jonathan Gavoni or somebody, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. If if, if that doesn't peg, if, if that's not the most well-written, you know, declarative statement of this guy right. that has encapsulated his entire career as a Philadelphia 76er, I don't know what does. And when you see reports like this, it just makes you wonder, right? It's like drafting guys that you never interviewed before. The, the, the Eagles did that with Andre Dillard. They moved up in the draft. They draft this guy. And next thing you know, they said that he really lacks mental fortitude. He didn't want to move her to the other side because he couldn't do it. And not sure how much he likes football. This is why it's so important to get to know the player, the person, the person, the individual, as opposed to the player. Because let's be honest, I think this is just a job for him. He's like, yeah, I'm talented. I get paid. But he's complacent. He's never going to get better. He's never going to shoot the basketball. I can't wait to the day on the Brother Love podcast where we have to change the intro when I say, for the love of God, number 25, learn how to shoot. Any day. So I can't wait to be done with this guy. You know, obviously I've said it before. I'm holding out hope um, that that I'm holding out hope that Dane gets uh, he just realizes that he can't win a championship, but he looks pretty dug in Portland. But there's got to be somebody else. And we don't want to waste Joel Embiid's prime of his career because this is the three, four year window. And this is where we have to strike and get it right. And I think Daryl Morey is going to do that. And I'm excited because not only that, and B, a lot of these players, I mean, they basically put number 25 on blast, saying that he wasn't a good teammate. He never wanted to interact. He never wanted to come out to team dinners. J.J. Raddick mentioned that on his podcast. The guy's just not a good seed. And no wonder they, they didn't get it done. Yeah, because if you, you, know, if you I, look, I, at, look at – I'm sorry, and I'll, I'll let you speak. Just if you look at the Eagles team, right, that won it all, won the yep. Super Bowl – they had that thing, man. They had that chemistry where they were helping people up. They were cheering for one another. If one man went down, next man up, getting each other, supporting each other's back, having fun, playing hard for the coach. And there's just something about that. If you can bring that to the table, then then I think sky's the limit. So. Yeah, and and you you mentioned the bad seed part, and look at when he was. You know, when he kind of fumbled the most, he, he, when he couldn't get it done, it was in the clutch, it was in the big moments. And that's when you need good people on top of the talent, right? When it, the going gets tough, you need a good culture because it's not easy because talent doesn't always just win it for you. You have to have that cohesiveness. And if he's a bad dude and a bad teammate and he doesn't get along with anybody and he's selfish in the biggest moments, that's going to rise to the top. And he was scared, ultimately, scared. And he can claim his back sore, and he can claim he has anxiety, or he doesn't like the organization. He can say whatever he wants. Ben Simmons 
excuse me, number 25, made his own, <laughs> he made his own bed. He, he made his own bed. And, and now he has to deal with the consequences of it. So um, I'm with you, man. And, and a little Does message. Does he ever play another game for the Sixers? No. Okay. No way. I, I don't think they want him back, Joe. I, 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 I don't bring, either. I, I couldn't bring him back. I think all of his teammates are done with him. Yep. I mean, even Matisse Thibault, you're talking about a fellow countryman. They asked him, he goes, I live in my own world. Wanted nothing to do with yeah. it. Yeah. And he was one of the guys who was willing to fly out there. I mean, think about it. Think about how selfish he is. He didn't even want to play for his country, Joe. In the Olympics, he had the opportunity to show out, you know, work on it, play against the competition. And he's like, yeah, nah, I think I'll just take the day off and I'll hit the Wimbledon and do everything else. Yep. Yeah, he so, don't want it. And you know yeah. what? Good riddance. See you later. It was, it was real while it lasted, but – you know, all the talk we had earlier years of what he could be and the potential and the Magic Johnson comparisons and all those things that yeah. I know you believed in. You know, you really believed he could be a transcendent player. I, and, even, and even up until par- parts of last year, I think a lot of us felt the same way. But the way that ended the playoffs last year, sour taste in the city's mouth, the fact that there was no accountability thereafter from said player, uh, and then everything has transpired since just shows – Number 25 true colors. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to compete. He doesn't want to work hard to get better, and he doesn't want it. And if you don't want it, this is the wrong place for you. Jason Kelsey, stick tap to him, said it best the other day when he got asked about playing in Philly. Absolutely. Run hard to first base is basically what he said. You play hard in this town, you'll be loved. Work at your game, you'll be loved. Anything else, you're going to get trashed on. And that's just the way it's been for countless number of years. Yeah, and to, to the national people, to the national media, which will probably never listen to our podcast, but I could give a crap. But to those idiots, especially Emmanuel Acho, who actually played in this city, for him to come out and say that this guy was never embraced, like, you got to be kidding me. Like, yeah, wake up. Everyone. There was a guy trying to teach him how to shoot the foul, so everyone was cheering for him. We could have booed the hell out of him for years, but we knew. We just knew what his true colors are. And for everyone, they like, oh, Phil Dobby's such a pet. You know, that's why star athletes can't play there. No. No. Look at people. You play hard, you'll be embraced. I mean, a guy like Chris Long was here for a minute, you know, just like, I mean, it's just, it just drives me nuts. And for all these people, all these – and still, I even hear on the radio these idiot Ben Simmons apologists call in like, well, you know, called him out after the finals. He – what? Because he spoke the truth? Like, when are we not able to speak the truth anymore? That's what drives me crazy. What, because he told him he didn't think he'd be a championship caliber level point guard? The writing's on the wall. He's not a championship caliber. When you don't want to shoot, when you don't want to take it, when you don't want to go to the free throw line and the clutch moments of a playoff game, then no, you're not championship caliber and you never will be because you didn't want to learn how to shoot, okay? They probably offered you up 20 shooting coaches for you to learn and you're like, nah, I'm just going to stick with my brother because uh, he teaches me how, how to brick. I mean, was it the Sixers' fault when ESPN during the ESPYs came out and had those little children saying that Ben Simmons is making bricks, is making homes for Habitat for Humanity or whatever it was, which yeah, is just was a hilarious, awesome. which was a hilarious skit. But like the guy just, I'm, the guy seems like a real jerk off. So see you later. Addition, my subtraction. And here's the over under on the Sixers right now without number 25. I don't know if Vegas is, but 50 games. You know what? I'm going out on a limb. I-
55 games without him, wow. and that's what they're going to do. 55 games. You heard it here first. People are going to step up, and I think they're just going to be a better team. I mean, look at the other night. It was the first time in franchise history, okay, that they had, what, four four guys scored 20 points in a game? When they had, you know, uh, I guess it was Toby and Bede, Ferky, and, um, and uh, Tyrese Maxey. And that's the other thing, right? When it comes to playoffs, like, I want a team that's playing when it comes to the offense, and I want a team that has five capable offensive players, not five against four. And that's kind of what they were playing with the last couple of years. I like it. And, John Mita, let's take our $12.50. There you go. And, and put it on the Sixers over total. I like it. I like it. I like I'm it. leave that up to you. You got it. Since you spent the rest of our money. I'm not really good at holding on On random, on random golfers. Ran- <laughs> randos. I'm good at the randos. Any other thoughts, John Mead, before we cut on out of here? Um, nah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, this is – listen, it's going to be a long Eagle season. Let's just see if we – Hope to see some improvement. Um, That's all anybody's asking for is a little bit of progress. Oh, did we even talk about Zach Ertz? I don't know. We did did not. Let's talk about Zach Ertz. Just give him a quick, you know, say what you want to say and I'll say what I want to say. I'd just like to say, Ertzy babe, Ertzy babe. (laughs) Um, You know, there's a little, a slight, slight sour taste in my mouth for the last year and a half of him. Right. But from the start of his career through the Super Bowl season to the additional playoff uh, games where, you know, that Dallas game where they had a win, we were all there over Christmas, you know, right before Christmas, where he, what, he get a lacerated kidney on the first play when he took a high hit over the middle, finishes the game, uh, leads the league in receptions that year or whatever, broke the record for tight end receptions in a year. I mean, this guy had an unbelievable run. It's crazy that it wasn't as long as it felt. I think it was, what, eight years? Uh, it felt like Zach Ertz was around longer than that. But uh, I wish him nothing the best but the best. Again, uh, the that year, calendar year notwithstanding, where it seemed like there was bad blood and he seemed disinterested and he didn't perform very well. I'm going to throw that out and try and remember all the good from Zach Ertz, what him and his wife, Julie, did in the community, how they made themselves part of this organization. He said some really nice things on the way out. I hope he meant them. I believe he meant them, but I really hope he meant what he said. And, you know, another guy that said, listen, if I didn't play well on Sunday and I deserved to get booed, fine. I knew that Monday morning I was coming out and I'd be hitting that jugs machine, catching balls before practice. Again, if not even to like face value, if we take that for it is his, his gospel, then that's the right approach to have in this town. He did everything we could have asked, and he has the game-winning catch and the Eagles' only Super Bowl win. So you can never take that away from him or this city. So thank you, Zach Ertz, um, for a long time, the only option on offense. So Ertzy babe, Ertzy babe, <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. Um, listen. And by the way, they got a fifth round pick, which Howie will screw up, and they got some cornerback that's never played in the NFL before, a rookie that hasn't had a snap. Uh, we'll see if he gets in before Zach McPherson, another one of Howie's fucking uh, 
great draft picks. Well, that might be the first F-bomb I've ever used in 200 episodes <laughs> on this podcast. So <laughs> see where I'm at right now with Howie. That's amazing. Um, yeah, Zach Ertz. Um, drafted here. Kid from the West Coast. Comes from Stanford. I guess he originally, I think, I, I thought he grew up in Arizona or something. But um, just what he did for this football team, he kind of embraced the city. We embraced him. He is, you know, just a phenomenal tight end. I mean, he is the best tight end, you know, in the franchise history, right? Am I right on that? Or I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. always made some big catches. What he did in the Super Bowl, just in the postseason, he had a phenomenal postseason. Um, he didn't want to go out in the last year. They had disputes about his contract. He thought he was getting paid. We can all tell that, you know, as he's gotten older, his, his play has been declined. He's been a little banged up the last couple of years. Um, but I love the fact that, I mean, you want to talk about putting it on the line. I mean, this guy was getting traded to the Arizona Cardinals, and he still wanted to go out and play, which I don't even know how Arizona was like, yeah, what if he gets hurt? I don't know how they worked that part of the deal out, which was interesting. But you could tell when he came off the field, he knew it. Um, but he wanted to come and do it in front of the fans, and he felt like, you know, two, three years, he wasn't a big fan of the Colts for sure when he was interviewed. But, listen, he will always – go on as one of the greatest Eagles, obviously the greatest Eagles tight end, in my opinion. And uh, I'm happy that he's going to a football team. He's the one guy who seems like a class guy that's done a lot for the community, kind of embraces the city that, that goes to another team. And you're like, you know what? I can cheer for that guy. A lot of other yep. times I can't say that I could cheer for someone else. Him. I'll be rooting for him in Arizona. Obviously not when they play the Eagles, if they ever play the Eagles again. Uh, but um, but I'll, I'll be cheering for him because he just seems like a class act and, and we'll see what happens. And he gets to go to an undefeated football team. Good for him with a quarterback that's playing at an MVP level. And, you know, it was, it was a great tribute. The fact that he also wanted to talk to the media and kind of give a farewell. And apparently he penned a great letter to the fans of Philadelphia, thanking them for the support over the years. And, uh, yeah, best of luck, Zach Ertz. And, um, uh, you know, you're going, but never forgotten. That's all I could say. Amen, brother. Good stuff. I hope you have a great weekend uh, at the beach. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, we'll nice. talk soon, man. Sounds good, buddy. Go, Birds! Go, go Birds. Uh, go I got, Flyers. Go I got, I, got the, I got the Birds winning by 10 points on Sunday. Jalen Hurts bounces back, has a masterful game. He's actually going to throw the ball in the end zone as opposed to run it in himself. Miles Sanders gets off the witness protection list with two touchdowns. Oh, I can't wait. Year. I can't wait. The Birds score 27 points and they win this football game 27 to 23. Book it. Love it. I don't believe any of that, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. For John Mead at Joel Donald, appreciate everybody tuning in. Follow us on Twitter at B Podcast. Till next time, number 25 stinks. We'll see.